Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. Place I go to, what a good looking crowd. And you are supposed to say, Amen, thank you, I appreciate that, I've tried my best, you know, so forth, so on. Okay. Some of you caught that and some of you are still trying to get out of bed, right? I want to say it's so great to be back here at Calvary Baptist Church. I was just saying earlier to some of the people that when we go to other churches, we do have a great time. We get to meet new Christians and get to be friends and so forth like that. But there's nothing like coming home to family. Amen. You know, nothing like being back here among you guys as you are our family. And we appreciate you so much. And I also want to uh, have a, a great thank you to my mother-in-law and sister-in-law who both of them have come here today and uh, drove from Peoria, Illinois, so thank you. In a minute, I'll have you come up and speak. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> but I'm so thankful to be back here. Before I get any further in my message, I want to share some things with you about what has happened in my life. Most of you know that I did have ablation surgery for my heart. Uh, it was, uh, I, I, last November, I was at home, had an attack, so to speak, it takes the life out of me. It truly does. And afterwards, I can't get up too quickly. Otherwise, I have um, my blood pressure drops too much. Well, this time, I had had a, a nauseous feeling. My stomach thought I was going to puke. So I got up and I ran to the bathroom, got halfway there, and everything went out. I fell. My tooth came through my lip. I thought I'd broken my arm. I I uh, had to go to the hospital, get checked out and everything like that. And I said to my wife, I said, that's it. I'm done. I, I need to have something else done. So we started looking at ablation surgery. While we're down in Florida and I'm down there presenting in churches, we happen to be in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville has a Mayo Clinic. So I thought, what a great place to get it done because there's a lot of qualified people. So I, uh, I started looking into it. They said, the only way we can do it is if you get your records, your medical records from Australia. Well, with COVID and everything, there's no way to do that. So I was really disheartened by that. And so we were at the church. We found out there was a lady in the church there who worked at Mayo. She was a nurse. She said to me, if you go in through the emergency room, they have to take you. She said, but you have to be in AFib to do that. So I thought, okay. So we went away, and I said, we'll go back up there in between churches, and I will just go out and exercise hard, do whatever I can, stress it out, <laughs> get it to happen to AFib. That was my plan, okay? So I get up there, and I'm, I'm re- next morning I say, Lord, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to get this thing done. It's going to go crazy. I said, Lord, it would be really great if you could just make it happen without me doing that. <laughs> what a weird prayer, right? Yeah. <laughs> Lord, make my heart go wrong. Yeah. But I, and it's never been that way. They've always happened usually around midnight or something like that. So anyway, I go to bed that night. I wake up at 4 a.m. My heart's an AFib. I'm excited. I'm praising the Lord. <laughs> Weird, right? Yeah, I know. Okay, still getting weird. So I, then I, w- I wait an hour and I wake my wife up. By the time we get to the hospital, I can barely walk. Uh, they put me in the ho- emergency room and hook me all up, put the, blood, uh, the medicine inside of me, and get my heart back under control. The cardiac surgeon, chief of cardiac surgeon, comes in. He says, you're a great candidate for ablation. So they schedule me to meet a specialist two weeks later. I come back up there, meet him, and I come to find out. And this is, this is it. You know, I, I just want to say to people, First off, you got to pray expecting an answer, which I did that night, you know, asking God to cause my heart to go into AFib. And uh, then you got to know that the Lord's going to take care of you. So my surgeon, the, the to be, 
is the number one surgeon at Mayo who travels the country at other Mayo clinics teaching them how to do the surgery. I was just praising God for it. So the surgery took about six hours, a little longer than they thought. They had to do a, a lot of uh, burning off and so forth. And at the end of it, he, he said, in three months, if you haven't had any more attacks, you should be good. Two more weeks is three months. So pray with me about that. I'm very excited about it. I'm, I'm uh, slowly losing weight and just have an outlook on life that's really good. I want to get closer and closer to you. That's why I'm here. Some people need to be sprinkled, so when, you, when I speak, you may get sprinkled. No, I'll try to keep it under control. You never know with me what's going to happen. But I am so thankful for the Lord, what he's been able to do, and, and examples of how he has, as we're out on the road, he has been there through every step. And you can see him if you just get your spiritual eyes on. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, and by the way, this doesn't have anything to do with my sermon. This is all free. Everybody likes something free, right? Yeah. So this is what we're doing today. We're talking about we are made for missions. Now, before I always get there, I like to go ahead and share a little story with you. As you may know, before I even do that, what does this mean? Amen. There you go. And what does this mean? Okay, if I say I got a few minutes later and, and, and I raise that hand, don't say praise the Lord. I had that happen at one church. I said, I just a few more minutes. And the guy goes, praise the Lord. <laughs> wasn't good. Wasn't good. But have you ever heard about Dr. Uh, Geezer? Dr. Geezer. Nobody knows that one, right? Hopefully I haven't shared that here. Uh, but Dr. Geezer became very bored in his retirement. And so he decided to open up a medical clinic, and he put a sign outside that said, Dr. Geezer's Clinic, get your treatment for $500. If not cured, get back $1,000. Pretty good deal. So Dr. Young down the street, he's not very happy about this. He's a little upset, and he didn't think it was right that medicine be, should be done that way. So he says, I'm going to get down there. I'm going to make myself $1,000. So he goes down to Dr. Geezer's Clinic. Dr. Geezer says, or Dr. Young says, Dr. Geezer, I have lost all taste in my mouth. Can you please help me? Dr. Gizzi goes, hmm. Nurse, please bring me box 22. Put three drops in Dr. Young's mouth. She did that, and Dr. Young goes, Dr. Young goes, yuck, that's gasoline. Dr. Geezer goes, you've been healed. Your taste is back. That'll be $500. <laughs> Dr. Young is not happy. He goes away. He's very upset. So a few days later, he says, I'm going to go back there and get my money back and more. And he goes in there and he says, Dr. Geezer, I have lost my memory. I cannot remember anything at all. Dr. Geezer goes, hmm, nurse, please bring me box 22 and put three drops in Dr. Young's mouth. Dr. Young goes, no, you don't. That's gasoline. Dr. Geezer says, congratulations. You got your memory back. That'll be $500. <laughs> Boy, Dr. Young, is now he's lost $1,000 and he thinks, I just want to break even. I'm going to go back one more time. He goes back there and he says, Dr. Geezer, my eyesight's become very bad. I cannot see hardly anything. Can you help me? Dr. Giggers goes, hmm, you know, I don't think I have a cure for that. He reaches in his pocket, hands him a $10 bill, and says, here's your $1,000. Dr. Young looks at that and says, no, that's only $10. Dr. Giggers goes, that's it, you're healed. Give me $500. Thank you so much. <laughs> don't mess with those mature people, right? I like telling those stories. I like people to understand that we can be happy in God's house, amen? We can enjoy God's house. We can smile in God's house. I've been in churches over this country where I look out into the crowd, and it's like somebody has swallowed a lemon or ate a lemon because they're sitting there. 
And I'm thinking, my goodness, where's the joy of the Lord? We should all have the joy of the Lord on our hearts. We know the end. Amen? Amen. Oh, boy, that's weak. There you go. Thank you so much. I, I really want to start off by saying every, church, every person in this church should have missions at the heart of their life. It should be here in your community, in your, your neighborhood, and around the world is where missions is. It's not just in Australia where I'm going or been at. For the, you know, you guys have been with us nearly. I was sharing that. And I think it's October or November, nearly 18 years. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that, for supporting us for all that time, being behind us prayerfully and financially. I read an article one time <coughs> about Brad, Brad Van Loo. He participated in an event called Around Alone. And in this event, participants seek to sail around the world in, alone in five stages. He ended up winning the event, sailing 28,800 miles in 148 days all by himself. That's quite a feat. And he was pondering his next challenge. And perhaps, he said, a motorcycle race across the desert. Or he feels he's really living and he's going to go out and he's going to jump off a bridge and do a jumpy, jump, uh, bungee jump and so forth like that. And he says, I, I'm fulfilling my purpose in life. That is not a purpose in life. It might be fun, but God has something greater in store for us. Because as, you, as many of you know, time goes on and we do not get younger as we have birthdays, do we? We don't get stronger. We don't get more fit. I'll tell you, after that surgery, though, I feel so much energy going through my body. Sometimes my wife just says, slow down. And I say, no, I've been so bad for so long, I can't do it. I want to ask you, or I want you to ask this question. What am I here on earth for? What is my purpose in life? To win a race, to climb a mountain, to jumpy, uh, bungee jump off the highest bridge? It's not those things. That's not what we're here for. Our calling is greater than that. Our calling is on an extreme journey if you truly understand it. Because Satan doesn't want you to be on a journey with the Lord, does he? So he'll put obstacles in your way. He'll cause you to break down on the side of the road. He'll cause you to go along in your car and all of a sudden it starts shuddering and shaking. Happened to us in Jacksonville just last the trip. And you kind of go, oh great, now what's going on? The little car has only got 212,000 miles. It should still go, you know? But that's not the way it works. But if you put your faith and trust in God, those things are going to test you. You are on an extreme journey through life. You should be. If you're just sitting around watching life go by, I'm sorry, you're missing out on some incredible joys that you could have. By putting your faith and trust in him. By seeing people stop by who you don't know who say, can I help you? You know, can I help you out here? And watch the Lord work in your life and in their life. There are four things we can do on earth. The first thing is, is that we can know and love God. That's worship. That's great. There's another thing is to learn to love each other. That can be hard sometimes. <laughs> Some of you are going. I understand, I understand. But that's called fellowship. And we all know that we need that. We need that as Christians. To become more like Christ, that's discipleship. And the final one, which we're going to really focus on today, is to learn to use our abilities for God in everything and everywhere we can in our lives. That's ministry. Ministry. Do you understand this? You are all ministers in Christ. You're all ministers in Christ. Yeah. You all have a job to do. In this church and in the community, among your family, your friends, your neighbors, whoever it may be, you have a job, a ministry to fulfill. 
according to God, we are made for missions. We're looking at John chapter 17 and verse 18. It says, as thou hast sent me into the world, Jesus said this, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Who is them? All of us. That's right. You and I both. We are all sent into the world. It's not just the missionary's job. It's not just the pastor's job. It's just not the staff's job. It's our job together. Amen? Amen? Yes, it is. Thank you. You need a ministry in the church. You need some place that you can plug into to feel, to feel like you are being fulfilled. And when I talked about it earlier, that's how you do it, through ministering in the church. You know, some people say, well, my, my talents are not as great as speaking, you know, in front of a bunch of people. It doesn't matter. You know, I met a preacher recently who had just lost his toe. He, he now walks with one of those little, it was a big toe, and so he walks with one of those little scooting things. And I'm telling you what, that little toe has affected his whole body. My point is, when you're not doing your ministry in the church, it affects the whole church. You understand that? Yeah, that's what, and I'm not saying that, uh, I, I don't want it to come across as wrong, because I want us to all understand that Jesus Christ has given you a specific job that is perfect for you within the church. All you have to do is find it. And then John in 20 and 21, then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. That's what he said to us. Jesus Christ's words in John 20, 21. What is our mission in the world? Well, if you go to Acts 20, verse 24. I'm going to go through a lot of verses today, and I think uh, several of them will be up here for you. So you can follow along and keep up with me. I told you I had surgery, so I'm going fast. All right. In Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, Paul says. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that I might finish my course with joy in my ministry, in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, my job, my ministry is to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Folks, that's what you're called to do too. Well, you may say, I can't get into a a pulpit and preach. I can't go down to a, a, a store and stand on the corner. I can't go to Australia. No, but you can find a way to do your witness wherever you are. Who knows your story better than you? No one. Amen? You know your story. You know your life story better than anyone else. And you can share that with other people. I cannot share your life story. You can't share mine, but you can share your own. That's what we're here for. The most important thing Paul was saying is to, that I complete my mission, the, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me, to tell people the good news about God's grace. You've received that grace. If we keep it within ourselves and don't share it, how miserable of people we are, that we have found a treasure so valuable and yet we won't tell others about it. It's a sad state, isn't it? I know there's a lot of people. So we're going to talk about how, what, what about our adventure? The first thing is, my purpose is to share the good news, and that is through evangelism. Evangelism. Evangelism is sharing the good news. And I'll, I'll, get, I'll get there in just a second. In Acts 1.8, he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He's talking to us. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and under the outermost parts of the earth. One of the things I want to focus on, and it's not part of my message, but I just saw it there. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Don't you hate to see a Christian, and you can see it in their lives when they go through life, and they don't have any power. 
You know what I'm talking about? Christians who are living life as though they're lost, as though they have no joy, no excitement anymore. I, I, I think I've told you before, do you ever like to go into, um, we call them shopping centers in Australia, what do they call them here? Malls. Malls. You like to go into malls and smile at people as they walk by? I love doing that. <laughs> people get so disturbed when I do that. It's like, hey, how are you? You know, I walk by and they're kind of like, they don't know what to think. I think that's the way it should be. I told you the story about the guy I was golfing with, right? And, and oh, oh my, can't put my hands there. But I, as I was out golfing with this guy, afterwards I told him I was a pastor and he just about fell to the ground. Ah, <gasps> oh, he goes, ah, oh, I knew it. I knew it. You have an aura about you. Now, I'm not for the aura thing, but I do believe the Holy Spirit does shine through our lives when we live out for him. Amen. Yes, I do. So we get back down to that verse there. He says, witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. Jerusalem are the people who are closest to you. The people you know. Your family. You know, your, your neighbors right next door to you. Those are your Jerusalem. And then he goes on and says, Judea and Samaria. People who are near but kind of a, a little bit different from us. Chicago. Okay, somebody's from Chicago. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody says, amen to that one. You know. Ends of the earth. That's everyone else. Everyone else. So we're commanded to start here at home and around this state, if you want to call it, and then around the world. That's what our mission is. And most of you, as I've asked you many times, you've never been. Is it, uh, I've, I want to see it again. Who's been to Australia? You, okay, you guys don't count. That's family. <laughs> Nobody else here. So you can't go to Australia and witness over there, but you can send us to do that for you. Now, I'd love for you all to come, by the way, but um, prices have gone crazy. It's nearly $3,000 a person to fly, and it used to be half that. So pray about that, that that'll change. And remember this. You are not called to be Christ's defense attorney or prosecutor or even his, uh, his uh, salesperson. You're not called to be a salesperson. All you're called to do is to share your testimony. That's it. That's so easy, isn't it, really? Can I get an amen on that one? I didn't have to raise my hand on that. Hey, that's a good one. You are to be his witnesses. You are to tell others your story of how Jesus Christ saved you. We, we, why? Because God's building a family of people who will one day be with him. And that family, if you look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, if we'll have that verse up there, <coughs> and it says, And hast redeemed us to God, by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And nation, as the verse says. The family of, of God will be from every nation in the world. Do you understand that? Have you ever thought about this? The ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, never the sun never sets on it. You have missionaries all around the world doing the work that God has called them to. You support them. And so when you're going to bed, they're getting up over there and they're starting the day witnessing for the Lord. So the ministry of this church never sees darkness, as you could say. It's constantly going. The light is shining. I think that's an awesome thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. It's really incredible. In Ephesians 3.11, it says, According to the purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, so how do I cultivate evangelism? I'm a share with those in my world. That's the first thing. Luke 8.30, he says, return to, Jesus said to this young man, he said, return to thine own house 
and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things God, how Jesus had done unto him. You know, your mission starts at home, and that's what this young man did. Jesus said, go back home and tell everyone you can what I did for you. And he did that. He shared with everyone. And that's our mission here. You know, sometimes people believe the myth that people are not interested in spiritual things. That is a lie from Satan. People out there are hurting and in need. God has put within them an emptiness that only he can feel, fill. And when, that, when you go out and witness, you're telling them about that need that they have. He says in uh, 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is, within you, that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, I, I, I think that I love hearing people in their testimony, how they share, they share how the Lord has saved them. And I, I want to hear it a lot of times, but I don't like the guy. And I remember when I was a young kid, there was a guy, he would travel. I don't remember who it was. You may know who it was, but we'll just go on. But he would go into every church, and he would talk about how he was into drugs and doing this and that. And he was saying that how bad he was, and that he was, uh, you know, in the gangs and going on and on. And it was like a prideful thing. And I never liked that. I never liked that. I'm glad that God had saved him from that. Please don't, don't misunderstand that. But as you see in the bottom of this verse, it says, Share the, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You understand where God brought you from. You understand how you were headed to hell, and now you're saved. And it makes you meek, and it also makes you in fear of, of getting too proud of that. I, th- I think today, hmm, now, I don't know anybody. I've seen it on TV. But I really have a hard time today seeing the pastors who are just, uh, uh, preachers, I should say, who are just um, a little too full of themselves. You know? They're sharing God's word. It's a great responsibility that I have to stand here before you and share God's word. And I pray, I pray, and I pray before I get up here. I say, Lord, I don't want these to be my words. I want them from you. I want people to hear from you today. Because you, you, there's many people out here who have much greater wisdom than I have. But when we hear God's word and we know it to be true, there's nothing greater in the world, nothing more important, nor uh, freedom is so much in his word if we just listen to what he has to say to us. But we go through life and we think that, well, for myself, I have my 60th birthday this March. I made it. <laughs> there was a while there, and most of you probably thought, he's not going to make it. You know, when I first got back from the field, and neither did I, but I made it. Now today, I feel like I've got a new uh, vigor in my life, a new excitement, a new challenge to go on for the Lord and see what's in store because I've gotten a lot of health back. But I wanted to say that there's a lot of people out there who think that they've got something now, and they're proud of it preachers and so forth like that. We should always be mindful of where we came from, and we don't deserve what we're getting do we? We don't deserve heaven because it's by God's grace that we're going there. Amen? Amen. Yes, it's by his grace. That's why we have to remain humble. And so when we stand before the Lord and we preach his word as preachers, we always need to be mindful that we are just worthless. And he is the one to be praised. Praise the Lord. I got you. I'm tricking you here. Come on. Stay with me. Amen. What's this one? Oh, you guys really believe it? Praise the Lord. Come on. 
Thank you, thank you. We misunderstand the heart of God a lot of times, I think. Because he second, in 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Oh, I'm so thankful for that, that he's patient with me. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9, amen to that. I like my church the way it is, some people say. You know, I was in, um, I won't tell you where I was at. I was down, I'll tell you, it was the state of Florida. I was in a church there, and I was talking to a guy, and when I was looking out at the front of the church, and this massive highway, six lanes just going by, cars just whizzing by all the time. I said, man, that is so great. Yo, I, I bet you guys are looking to put a sign out there and let everybody know that you, what you are and that you're here. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I like my church just the way it is. My heart sank when I heard that. I was so sad that he did not want to see anybody else come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. That's what he said. He was saying, people, you can go to hell. That's what he said. When he doesn't want others to come in because he likes his little church just the way it is. It's just comfortable for him. He doesn't want to see it grow. That's the wrong attitude. Amen? It is so sad to see people who have that mindset. Calvary Baptist Church, is it big enough? You know, that's really the wrong question, isn't it? The, the, right, the right question is, should anyone be left behind? Yeah, there we go. The church that wasn't, doesn't want to grow and reach out, it, it is basically saying, like I said to the world, you can go to hell, and that is a horrible, horrible thing. But we see that all around. I read about a man who was one day, he was at death's door. His name was Jim, and as he was dying, he just said, the words that, last words that came from his mouth were, I've got to save one more for Jesus. What a testimony. As you start to enter heaven's glory, the last thing you're saying is, I've got to reach one more. I've got to witness to one more. That's a great testimony. Amen? It is. I must share with those in my world. Not only must I share with them in my world if I'm a to cultivate evangelism, I must dare to reach beyond my world to those around in the greater area here, to somebody who's not my neighbor or my family member, to those who are just in the city, so to speak. Love demands that we have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes. I, I think it's really, it's painful to get out of your comfort zone. It's painful to come down here and as they're, uh, I just saw on there, you're building a float, right, for the 4th of July. And sometimes it requires sacrifice, it requires time, it requires money. But you know what? The greater glory is to see people saved and know that Calvary Baptist Church is here and they love this town. Amen to that? Amen. That's right. We want people to know that. So it will require that you get out of there. Paul said to the weak, Became I as weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. 1 Corinthians 9, 22. We are called to build bridges and not walls. We are called to get over those. You know, in Australia, there was a guy. He, um, he, he, he was talking to somebody, and they were complaining. They were just complaining, complaining, going on and on. And he said to them, build a bridge and get over it. I like that. Build a bridge and get over your problem and move on. You know, don't let those things hold you down. If you got a problem with the pastor, pray for the pastor. If you got a problem with the staff, pray for them. A problem with somebody else in the church, pray for them. And I guarantee you, more than anything, God will speak to you than they will to them. Because most of the time, they don't even know that you're praying that, right? So, boy, quit preaching like that. Move on, Chris. What are you doing there? We need to seek the needs. It says in Galatians 6.2, bear you one another 
one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. You are family, are you not? That's right, you are. Some of you believe that. Some of you have yet to still, you know, you're like waiting for me to do the arm. All right. We are a family of God, and we care about one another, or we should. There should be nobody in this church who has any animosity or hatred or, or disgust for anyone else. Because you're, you're a family. You're going to be, hey, get a load of this. You're going to be in heaven eternity together. <laughs> and if you've got a problem with somebody else, guess what? You're going to be like, oh, hey, you made it. <laughs> you know what they're going to be doing? Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> so uh, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, who need some hand, a helping hand. Stoop down and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Reach your hand out to people. Pat them on the back. Make them feel loved. Don't we need that more in the world today? James 1.27 says this, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the fathers is, is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Christianity is expressed by healing hurts and helping each other. It will break you out of that comfort zone that I told you about. You're going to have to get... People go, well, you know, I'm just not as friendly as you are, Pastor. You know, I hear that all the time in Australia. I say... You know, sure, not everybody can be there and walk up to somebody they don't know and shake their hand. But I tell you what, sometimes it takes work for me. When I'm over there, and I, I'm, I'm there, boy, see this a Samoan guy? He's six foot four, six six. you know, 300 pounds, tats. He's coming at me. And I'm going, okay, which way do I run? You know? And I have to stand there and shake his hand and say, man, I'm so glad you're here. Or It's nice to meet you. I'm Pastor Chris and so forth like that. It takes a little bit to get out of that comfort zone. It takes it for all of us. But we have to do it. God didn't put us here to be in comfort all the time. He wants us to be out there witnessing to people and telling them about Jesus Christ. I think what we need in America, and I, I may have said this to you before, but stick to itiveness. It's not really a word, but I think it should be. Stick-to-itiveness. People who will just say, you know what, no matter what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out there and I'm going to go shake people's hands. And yeah, I'm going to be embarrassed and maybe they'll see it, maybe they won't. But you're more than likely they're, gonna, they're scared and they're thinking you're not. God always loves tirelessness. He does. Can I share with you why I'm a missionary and need your prayers, you know? I, I've, um, have I told you about some of the struggles that we have over there in Australia sometimes? The cultural struggles that we have? Have I shared with you? My wife's stories, actually. Have I told you those? Anybody? Anybody? I have not. Boy, okay. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway since nobody wants to talk to me. My goodness. Okay. When we first arrived in Australia, my wife had to adjust to a culture that she did not know. People who were different. People who said things, did things that were different. One time she's in the shopping center. She opens a freezer door to get something out of there. And as she's looking at stuff, a lady reaches over her shoulders, grabs something, takes it, walks away. My wife goes, what in the world? How rude are people? Didn't say excuse me or nothing. Just grabbed it and left. She came home. She was fuming. I know. She gets mad. I'm serious. She does, too. I would not lie behind the pulpit here. She gets upset sometimes, and she came home mad at this lady. And she said, can you believe this is what she told me the whole story? I said to her, honey, it's not rudeness here. It's a cultural thing. They don't think anything of it. As a matter of fact, if I'm walking down the mall, and I 
people are coming at me. You know, Americans, they tend to do this as they're going in Australia. They're, they're dodging people. Because people over there, they just walk straight. They don't care if you're in their way or not. I can't tell you how many people I've plowed over. <laughs> Praise Jesus. No. <laughs> but I don't move because it's the culture. Most of the time they end up moving for me, which is great. But sometimes they don't. <clears throat> you know what they do? They keep right on going like nothing's happened. Because they don't have that personal space like we do here in America. One time she, uh, uh, another story she has is different from this one. But she went to a lady and said, look, I need to get some beef. Where's a good butcher that I can go to and get some good beef? And the lady's name was Karen. Karen goes, well, there's a good shop down the road here. They've got really good uh, meat, but it's deer. And so he goes, no, no, no. I don't want deer meat. I want beef. And Karen starts laughing so hard. And so he's like, what is going on? Why is she laughing at me? She says, is it deer meat? I don't want deer meat. In Australia, when somebody says something's deer, it means it's expensive. So Karen was saying to her, it's expensive meat. It's beef, but it's expensive. And Sonia didn't get that. These are little things. Why am I telling you this? Because little things are what get most missionaries. This is the little things. They look out. I, I'm, a, I'm aware that I'm driving on the other side of the road, on the other side of the car, and, and driving through roundabouts on the other side. I know you have some here, but in Australia, they're everywhere. And I, I know that when I'm done wrong, because I get a lot of honks and a lot of yank, get over there. So they, they know I'm American, and they always tell me I'm number one. Yeah. I don't have to go any further with that one, do I? But those are the things you experience. And those are things that you can kind of be ready for. But the little things like that, most missionaries, if they make it past their first four years on the field, they will stay. They will stay because they've been able to adjust. But most never make it past their first four because of those little bitty things. Uh, one time, they have a bird in Australia. It's called a, well, the way it's spelled, you think it was kookaburra. K-O-O-K-A-B-U-R-R-A. Kookaburra. But I said that one time. Oh, listen to that kookaburra laughing. Man, the guy that was next to me just started, ah! I was like, what happened? What happened? What's going on? He says, it's kookaburra. He made a point to know, let me know that it was kooka. Kooka. Not kooka. Kooka. Yeah, you know, those are silly things, aren't they? But it's things like that that make you feel embarrassed. When I go into a shop, guess what? I'm six foot two. I'm not the tallest guy in here. And uh, just be quiet about it. But just don't say more about it. <laughs> And Tim, that's enough out of you too, okay? In Australia, I'm tall, okay? I'm tall over there. So when I go in a shop, first thing people see is I'm tall. But then I'm standing there, I'm waiting in line, I get up there. I'd like uh, one of those, and everybody in the place goes, Whoa. They look at me because that strong American accent. And then I, oh, sorry, mate. I mean, can I have a burger over there, please? I can do it both ways, by the way. My wife is always making fun of me. Why are you doing that now? You're in Australia, you, your voice changes, your accent changes. I grew up here. What can I say? You know, that's just who I am. So uh, these are some of the things I want you to know about, how you can pray for us. Pray for missionaries and the little things. Now, we've adjusted to most of these things, but some of your other missionaries pray about those little things that they have to experience. I, I also um, know of a missionary. He came over to Australia. He wanted to fit in so bad. And over there, if somebody says, mate, are you dinky die? That means, are you the real thing? Are you for real? So he thought he was going to go around and saying that to everybody. So he goes around and says, hey, are you hinky dinky? <laughs> All the guys go, nah, mate, I'm not hinky dinky. Now, that was back whenever you say things like that, you know. <laughs> if you don't understand what I'm talking about, it kind of means, you know, you get, get you know. Anyway, all right. <sighs> I'm not being offensive. 
I'm just telling you, that's the way they responded to him. He went, he went into a meat shop one time. I know my time is getting close. I've only got another hour, so I'm, I'm going to rush. <laughs> now, there, some of them woke up, rushed down there, didn't you? Another hour? What's he talking about? <laughs> All right, so a guy went into, a missionary went into a meat shop, and he says, do you know what a kilometer is, by the way? A kilometer is like, you know, miles, but it's like, takes 1.7 or something like that to make a mile. So a kilo is weight, you know, how much weight you want. So he goes into the meat shop and he says, hey, I'd like a kilometer of sausage. <laughs> the butcher goes, ah, mate, I don't think you want that much. <laughs> it was a kilo. But he got laughed out of that place and everybody, and, you know, it's just innocent mistakes. But, but those are the things that affect a lot of missionaries. So I'm saying to you, that's how you pray for missionaries. I don't want to keep going on too long about this, but it's not easy being 13,000 miles or more away, and I'm talking about there and back, from your family. My dad turns 80 on Thursday, and you go away for four or five years. You just don't know, you know, so it gets harder and harder. So pray for us about that, because that is really, that's a tough one. I got to tell you, that's tough, leaving them as, you never know if they're going to see them again, except when you get there in heaven. But that's something you can pray about. And, of course, I also want you to pray about the physical things. You know how I've struggled with those. And now, now you're looking at me going, boy, I was sure he was really great when he was dead and everything. And now he's a crazy man up there anyway. But say, pray for us on that. You know, it's hard for missionaries when they have to find a new place to live every three or four years. Sometimes every year they have to pack up and move. But when we come back to the States, we end up selling a lot of our stuff because it's too expensive to store it. So then you go back over there and you've got to refinance everything Start out with a car, registration, insurance, phones, everything that you can think of to set up a home. You have to do it every four years, and it just gets old, you know. But it's what God's called us to. And I want to understand, I'm not complaining because I love being a missionary. I love what God has called me to do. But these are ways you can pray for us, all right. Now, I've, I've really stretched this out longer than I thought I would, so I'm going to go ahead and get down to my last point. Finally, if we're to cultivate evangelism, I must care about the whole world. And that's what I've been talking about, being a missionary to the world. You can only do that by giving to missions. Can we ever say Calvary Baptist Church has done enough for missions? We should never say that. Amen? Thank you. Thank you for being there. Some of you are like... I, I know you mean that in your heart. I know this church means that we can never stop doing it. We can never say we've given enough to missions. We must always do more because there's more people. Do you realize that, uh, let me see if I can remember this figure off the top of my head. In this year alone, in America, over 2 million people will die and go to, off into eternity. And in this next year, in the world, 54 million people will die and go into eternity. And how many of them are doing it without Jesus Christ? That's a sobering thought, right? That tells us we've got a job that is not getting smaller. It must keep growing. We've got to keep growing. We've got to keep giving more to see more souls saved. Because one day as you stand in heaven, they come to you, they'll say thank you. Because Calvary Baptist Church gave and sent the missionary. He led me to the Lord. And I'm here today because of you. Won't that be awesome to know that, to say that? Praise the Lord. Yeah. You know, I, I, I get it from people all the time, and I'm, I'm, I'm about done keeping this hand down. Joe's waiting for me to say I'm about done raising my hands. He's going to say, praise the Lord. Yeah, there you go. I knew it. Okay, got, he's itching. He's itching. Let me say it. 
But, you know, we're called to be fishers of men, right? It's not called being catchers of men. Fishers of men. So when we go out to fish for fish, we don't go out catching. We hope we do. But I, if anybody fishes with me, you don't catch anything. Okay, I've got something in my veins or blood that runs up that line and the fish go, no, thank you. So when I go out, I'm fishing. When you go out, you're fishing. If you catch, that's great. We don't go out catching. We don't go out for catchers of men. We go out for fishers of men. So that means that sometimes we don't get the results that we want. But that's okay because we've done our part is simply to fish for men. Fish for men. So don't ever think that just because, you know, I didn't lead that person to the Lord that I failed. Sometimes it can take them years to come around and to wake up and know that they need Jesus Christ. Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, and sometimes we reap. Amen? That's right. We do. We all know that. The journey of a Christian is to be a witness, not to produce results, but just simply to be a witness to Jesus Christ. I want to end by saying four things to you. <coughs> Excuse me. And these, the Standard Oil Company, before I get to that, Standard Oil Company had a slogan way back in the day. And their slogan was, um, get the light to every, every dark corner of the earth. That's what we do as Christians. Getting the light of Jesus Christ to every dark corner of this earth. I think that would be a great model for the church today. There's a lost world out there that needs Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you need Jesus Christ. I don't know. You don't, you know, what matters is when we stand before God, when we stand in front of him and God looks at us and he says, I knew you would tell others. I gave you the commission. I told you to be a witness to me and to all the world in Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, I knew you would do it. Great job. Won't that be awesome? When we stand before God and he praises us for following his command, not a choice, his command. You have far, four possibilities today. You can say like Moses. You can say to God, who, me? That's what Moses said. You can say like Jonah said, not me. Jonah said, I'm not going. You can like Habakkuk say, why me? Or you can say it like Isaiah said, Lord, send me. Amen? That's what we all need today is Christians who are committed to go, to give, to send others, to pray for others. I ask you to do that for me. I ask you to do that for my family. I ask you to do it for every missionary that you support and your pastor too. Pray for him. He, as the leader of your church and so forth, you need him to stand before God and to preach the word each week. Amen to that, right? And I believe Pastor Chad's done that. I've watched some of his sermons online. But we've got to watch out for him because Satan's on the attack. Now today, if you've been here today and you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ and you have never said, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me. A Christian, if you think, or a person today, if you think you're a Christian and you've never said that, you're not saved. You have to confess your sins before God and say, I'm a sinner, Lord, save me. And if you do that, you'll have the joy of heaven waiting for you. So right now I'd like to ask you to stand up and bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm asking every Christian today, join Jesus in this extreme journey. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't sit there and say, it's just too hard. It costs too much time. It costs too much money. Commit today and say, dear Lord, I will follow you no matter where you call me to go. If it's across the street, if it's in my own family, wherever, dear Jesus, help me to have the courage to do it. 
You won't be disappointed. When you see someone come to know Jesus Christ, your heart will overflow with joy. But we have to step out of our comfort zone and do that. Dear Lord, I know this message goes to every one of us. Every Christian here today needs to do more for you, Lord Jesus. The time is short. You're coming back. And those that don't know you will be left behind. And those that do will be in you, with you in heaven. And we pray for that if there's someone here today who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today, Lord, they would do that. They would come down here. I'm going to stand down here in front. If someone wants me to pray with them about salvation, if they want me to pray with them about their service to the Lord or whatever it may be, their health, I will be here to do that. And dear Jesus, I pray that you help us to live as godly Christians in this sinful world. Listen as we have the invitation.